It's Positive Spark Plug time, and I'm your host, Candace, and I'm so pumped for you guys to be joining me today, for I have a very special guest, Justin Conico, and in this episode, we talk about how connection truly brings fulfillment and success in all areas of your life, marriage, business, your team, your circle, your your religion, your faith, absolutely everything. We dive deep into how to build a successful business. We talk real estate because he is the owner and creator with his wife Shannon of Prime Real Estate Brokerage here in London, Ontario. He does phenomenal things and he shares it all. We truly dive deep into lots of different inspiring topics and I cannot wait for you to listen in so let's get going hi Justin how are you I'm good how are you doing I'm good. Uh, I want to first say thank you for joining me on the Positive Spark Plug podcast. Um, I'm really excited to have you. I started following you through mutual contacts, uh, and I absolutely love what you do, and it has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm in, but I love the energy that you bring with your team to support every individual that you guys come in contact with because I know what you do is a huge aspect in someone's life because, well, they're buying a home, whether it's a first, a last, a middle, it doesn't matter. It is a big, big project for somebody. And I absolutely love the passion that you bring all the time and your team. Um, so I wanted to get you on here because, well, I want to spread that passion around to my listeners and help anybody else that uh, maybe wants to help build a team or get into real estate or even just feel your energy. Um, so thank you so very much for joining me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I mean, we came together by Method of Community, right? And I think the biggest aspect of what we do is we're community builders. Um, you know, we happen to be in the business of real estate. That's obviously a core function at Prime Real Estate. But it's become a bit of a hub for people that have high energy, intelligence, integrity. Those are kind of our three core things that we look for in anybody to bring into the community. And I think the world's changing in a pretty good way. I think... How businesses aren't so much top down anymore where you have a boss and you work for that boss, you just punch the keys and boats and go live their life. I think people that have talent in different regards are, you know, going to workplaces where they feel that there's a culture that fits their needs. They feel supported obviously on multiple levels, system processes, branding, all that fun stuff. But that they can still go on their own independent business. You know, within a company, and I think a lot of companies can go that way where is that we work for our employees, right? We recruit talent and we're there to support them. Um, you're in a similar environment where I know the owner of the company where you work at. He, like, literally him and I talk about how we run similar businesses in terms of how we want to serve the people who work with us rather than for us. Um, and how we can go about doing that and adapt to the marketplace because I mean, you're somebody that has a lot of energy as well. You do what you do in your space. But I think if I'm going to boil it down for your audience, everything that we talk about here and everything that I speak to from the lens of somebody that runs a real estate brokerage can be applied to whatever business they're doing 
you just need to look at it in a different lens, right? Because a lot of it is marketing, sales, productivity, accountability, um, but making a formula or a sauce that works for you and your business. Well, I am so excited to dive in because I know um, you have so much to offer and you are just so full of value and wisdom. But before we get into all of that, I like to just have a little bit of fun with my my guests. Um, so I want to know what are your three favorite emojis or your three emojis that best describe you and why? Um, I always use the, the fire emoji because I'm pretty fired up about everything that I do. So quite often, like if we're negotiating or doing something that's quite frequently there. Um, you know, I use the clasp hands or the, the hands up one just because to me, like prayer is a big part of my life. I happen to be a Christian and, and to me, I don't really do anything without leading with that and being, you know, at the same time, thankful and grateful for the things that are around me. So I tend to use those two quite a bit. I'm trying to think of another one that I use quite often. I use the one where he's got this, uh, like, the spectacle and he's kind of looking to the side, like he's questioning the person that he's talking to. Um, I use that quite often to bring humor into a conversation, but I'll give you a trick. Um, I use more GIFs and memes than I use emojis. So I am very creative in terms of the the gifts that I use in my conversations and really getting a kick out of that. Um, so that was the three, I guess, emojis. What was the second part to the question? Um, and why? And you gave awesome. that. Awesome. Yes. Um, perfect. So you and your wife, Shannon, right? Yeah. Own uh, Prime Brokerage Real Estate. Now, I want to get to that, but... First, I want to know, was real estate something that you've always wanted to do? Or was this a path that you stumbled upon? Was there another option for you? How did real estate become your journey? Yeah, so I mean, if I go back to the beginning, um, I came to London actually in the early 2000s from Montreal. And the first gentleman that I met was Mike Smith, who runs Joe Pools and at the time Jim Bob's and all those places. Um, he became a bit of a mentor for me and my family back home in Montreal, they run a distribution business, client-facing sales. I always knew that wasn't my thing because I didn't want to work in an office 24-7 and just be your like typical sales guy that you'd see in a movie. Um, Mike showed me a way to do it where you're really kind of hand-to-hand combat and really like getting in the trenches with the people. And that's what I like. I really learned that I like people. Um, and Mike's thing with me was he really gave me control over the various restaurants and things that I did. So I was in marketing and advertising for as a real estate. So my job was branding, right? Like some of the restaurants had gone through shifts and perception shifts. So we were a big part of the rebranding and positioning, um, community engagement. So getting people to come back or, you know, we opened a new restaurant and how we were going to get people to the restaurant. So like whatever business your audience is in, I mean, I've been in the trenches from like a guerrilla warfare standpoint, handing out slices of pizza on Richmond Street when he had pizza pie with coupons, really just having fun with it, right? Cool thing about Mike was he always told me to treat the company like I owned it. So the opportunity for somebody to go in and and basically have these multi-million dollar companies that are very well known in the city and feel like I can implement my own systems and processes, you know, staffing and all that stuff. I learned so much. Now, when real estate kind of came on our radar, my wife, um, who's the other co-owner of Brokerage with me, she had gone to Ivy, really smart girl, MBA. She had a consulting company in Toronto. Um, she was a dealer principal for her parents. Yeah, she's a super strong woman. Um, she was a dealer principal at her parents' dealership out in Walker. So they own a 
Ford Lincoln dealership, probably one of the best known in North America, let alone Ontario. Um, they're in a small town, but they sell tons of vehicles because, again, just like myself, they were very client-focused, right? Larry and Bonnie Gina, probably one of the best reputations out there. Jason's the exact same. Like, I see these guys do stuff for their people that I've never seen an auto dealer do before. But Shannon, very, very strong-willed, wanted to do her own thing. She really wanted to kind of find success, build something from the ground up. She has mentioned real estate to me a couple times. I think my exact response was, I don't want to be a greaseball on a golf course because I had the same perception that everybody had about real estate agents. And, you know, unfortunately, some agents give the community that perception because of the way that they do business and, you know, the ethics that they portray in the industry and how they discount themselves. And I really was in the thought pattern of, you know, I'm not too, too into it. And Shannon being smarter than me, Kind of tricky to getting my license said, oh, you can save money on investments, this, that, and the other. We got into the business. Um, because of the foundation we had built, we had a really good database of people that just wanted us to do things for them, right? So they started sending us files. and I started doing the work and I actually really enjoyed it because it's the exact same as what I was doing previously. You know, you take a property, whether it be residential, commercial, investing, you have to, you know, have a marketing plan. You have to go out, get people engaged on the property, walk them through the sales process, negotiate the best deal you can, and then develop a relationship and follow up over a long period of time. And those four aspects translate to every business. Um, and I also realized there wasn't anybody doing it to the level that I thought we could do it. So Shannon and I, Shannon with a consultant brain, had basically built a plan for a business that was a consulting service that had really amazing talent. So the people that work here are second to none. I think the average production of the agents here is better than almost any brokerage I've seen, um, especially when you look at what a brokerage is. So, you know, back step a second. When I got licensed, you have to go work for another brokerage for two years. That's just how it works. You can't just open your own okay. shop. They want to make sure that you're somewhat educated. Um, the education piece in real estate is another thing that I have a major issue with. I think it's it's much lower than it should be considering the types of transaction we're doing. But we worked at a big firm um, for a number of years. Great guys. I'm still friends with brokers of record. I send people to them when they call me to get a job because we're not that. So we're not a sales office. We don't hire 200 agents. You know, We're really only hiring the best of the best and really people that we think have those aspects that I talked about earlier, intelligence, integrity, and energy, and bring them into our system. Because again... Most brokerages would be, you know, say 150 agents that all run their independent businesses. And that's great. You're going to find agents that have been doing business for 25 years that are good producers. Lots of my friends work in those firms. When people come here, it's a completely different animal. So like last year, I think we had 15 applicants that I didn't take. Um, we did onboard a couple extra bodies, but I'm not in the business of just hiring agents for the sake of hiring agents. I'm in the business of hiring like specialists, almost like we're a Navy SEAL team. So, you know, we've grown to, I believe we're about 16 now. We have a couple more that are in queue that, you know, contemplating over the next couple of months. But we do a variety of things, right? So typically you call a real estate agent, you're usually getting a residential agent or a commercial agent, maybe an investment specialist. Um, we actually have specialists that cover the gamut. And the thought was, if you think real estate, you think prime real estate. That was always the goal. Like, if you need to do anything real estate related, you just think about us. We have a residential resale group that is absolutely amazing. We set tons of records in a lot of neighborhoods and areas you would know. Um, there's a commercial division that we've done some of the biggest mandates in the city. We did the Arcane deal. We did the Start.ca deal. We did Digital Echidna, um, Demand Metric, and Race Roster, that whole kind of outfit. We've done quite a few that are boots on the ground local people here that 
we really kind of made a name for ourselves. Actually, this building I'm in right now, um, Domus came in, polished off this site. We've got a number of exciting projects, um, which is very surprising because in a commercial world, you usually think it's just the big brands. But we're finding a lot of success, <clears throat> excuse me, in being very quick, adaptable, and just getting our clients a lot more attention because of the investment that we've made in the marketing side that we do. From an investment perspective, um, we partnered with Scott McGilvery years ago. So we actually had done a lot of investment properties as a whole. We have a really dialed in team that does design for investors, secondary suites, um, multiplexes, large commercial transactions, like pretty much anything you can think of, investment, land acquisitions. That team is super dialed in. But again, like I couldn't do this all if it was just me. I hired specialists for analytics for sourcing properties and they're pretty cool because they don't overlap. Um, Victor Addis, for example, I'll give him a shout out. He's my condo guy, like super high energy. He's like an almost like I think an ex pro biker, like yes. tons of energy, unique individual, knows the condo market better than anybody in the city. So like we've got him in our toolbox. Um, and then new construction. So we're partnering with a number of builders. We have some pretty fun sites. We have lots of experience in new home construction, which I think as a collective, and this is where Shannon's vision came in was, if you're a specialist in one thing, that's great, wonderful. But the hard part is sometimes you don't see what's happening across all the different divisions, right? So when we see what's happening across all the different divisions, a lot of times we can get a bigger reach with our new home products because we have people that, hey, these guys are selling a million dollar home. These guys in the commercial division own companies that are worth multi-million dollars. So guess who's going to buy these homes? But because it's all within the same ecosystem, it keeps the attention flowing between all the different groups. And ultimately, I guess to wrap it up, I just connect people with people. I don't really... I'm not in the business of forcing you to buy something you don't want to buy. I'll show you opportunities. If it works, great. If not, there's somebody else that'll take it. Um, but I like people, as you know, and I just like connecting people with people. That's amazing. That is a lot of stuff that you guys handle. And yeah. woo to your wife. Yeah, she's pretty awesome. It, you know what it was? And this is just a little tip for anybody building business was we always use kind of the red light, green light philosophy. Um, you know, we never, we run at the speed of cash, not the speed of debt. So we never just took on more debt for the sake of taking on more debt. Even when we made this office move, we really wanted to make sure that we were smart about it. In commercial real estate, you can actually turn a lease into a profit center if you look at it the right way. Um, and we didn't hire people, even if we thought we needed them. I did the work that I didn't necessarily want to do, right? Like I was on a build site yesterday and my shoes all dirty. Like I don't mind putting out signs. I don't mind doing the work because I'm still in my mind very early on. Um, it sounds like a lot, I guess, when I summarize it, but it really kind of happens sequentially. So it doesn't feel overwhelming. Because I've got good talent around me, right? Yes. Okay. So there's a couple of aspects that I want to go about because not a lot of people can work with their spouse. So that is one topic I would like to talk about because that in and out of itself is something that has to be prioritized, obviously, because, well, you guys are working together, living together doing everything together for the most part, even if you may be not in the exact same room, you're still in each other's business all the time or in the works business. So I want to figure out how you guys set up a way that you guys could create this successful business that you guys have 
but also maintain a relationship where you guys come first? To answer the question, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest first, like anybody else, and tell you it's never going to be perfect, right? If you expect it to be and you don't realize that it's a journey, then you're kind of duping yourself and you're going to be disappointed, right? It's really going to be one of those things that you have to consistently work at and be conscious of. I equated to um, the gentleman that married my wife and I, John Mitchell, a good friend of mine, um, equated it to having five cups, right? And whatever your cups are, there may be three, there may be five, there may be seven, but, you know, for myself, it would be like, you know, faith, family, work, say fitness, and then my relationship with my wife. And if you only have a liter of water, how much are you putting in each of your cups, right? And actually, like, if you physically, like, made something visual or a board where you said, you know, I've got 10 points, I can only spread them out across my five cups, you know, I can put 10 points in one cup, and then everything else is going to drop off, or I can take two points, put it here, you know why we're in a season, we're out of COVID, things are opening up, it's time to get to work. You know, maybe my my fitness is going to drop off a little bit because I spend more time at the office. It is what it is, right? And then I have other seasons where I'm feeling run down, and I know my fitness has to be a part of it. Or I know I got to run my fitness at two or three every day. I need to allocate those points of time somewhere else. I'm very, very big on time blocking, on doing mind sweeps every single day. Um, just more from a personal development standpoint, you know, my journaling process has changed many times over the years. But you know, for anybody. If you actually looked at your calendar, right, and then you made a separate list and you made a list of your ambitions, I want to be a good husband, I want to be a good business owner, I want to, you know, be in great shape, I want to lose 10 pounds, I want to stop eating at night, um, you know, and then you looked at your calendar, quite often our actions rarely match to our ambitions, right? And something that I found that worked really well for me was once a week, I take a look at my, you know, entire week ahead. Once a month, I take a look at my entire month. And I see like where I'm tracking. And like I wrote it in my journal this morning because I know I should be stretching more. I just from like an athletic standpoint, it's something at my age helps. So I'm like, okay, tonight I am going to stretch before I go to bed. So I put it in my calendar, right? So the same thing goes with Shannon. Like your original question is how do you manage, you know, that portion of maintaining a business relationship? You know, we're, uh, we're in love with each other. So we have our relationship and then we're parents to faith. And then like as a family unit, all those matter. I actually time block in my calendar different segments for, you know, time that I want to make for them. So like the one tip my father-in-law gave me was he's like, one day a week, that's her day. So whatever she wants to do, you're not, you're not working or doing anything that, that said, you know, if a client needs something, we will be there, right? Like she understands that there will be sacrifices to be made. But even if you're hitting it like 70%, I'd say you're better than most people. Uh, communication, this is a recent thing that I learned. So Ryan Surhant is a really good friend and mentor of mine. Um, and he gave me that advice the first time I met him uh, three years ago now. And I asked him about Amelia and how he works and everything because he sells way more real estate than I do. Um, and I was just like, how do you manage it? And he's like, honestly, he's like, I don't really take any meetings after six without getting her approval. He's like, I give her that power so that she feels like she can veto it. He's like, she never does. Cause like if he gets a meeting after like eight o'clock on a Saturday, it's probably going to be for a $30 million sale. And she's like, yeah, you go do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the communication is important. And I think the one thing Shannon and I are still working on and I'm trying to get better at lately is. Like that can, when I do the mind sweep and I set my week ahead calendar, I tell her, Hey, these are the days I'm here. These are the days I'm with you. These are the days I can help with faith. Um, but then in my business, wrenches get thrown into it. It's communicating 
and saying, hey, this is happening. Is that cool with you? And I'm saying, no, I really need you. Okay, I'll figure it out. But like I say, you have to over communicate with your spouse and that goes both ways, right? Like she's been really, really good at communicating with me what she needs from me. And sometimes I'll push back and say, Hey, I don't have time to do that. Like physically, it's, it's just the time doesn't exist. Can we find a solution? And then she'll go, okay, I understand why you're thinking that. All right. Let's, let's find out a way to automate this. And she just did it. She did it yesterday where she's like, Hey, like we don't have to drop these things off anymore because this guy's going to do this for us. And I'm like, awesome. But it, it's okay. me being honest with her, not in a mean way of saying like, I don't have time to do this. I'm, I'm super special. I was just like, to make the most efficient use of my time is what I'm struggling with. Could we figure it out together? Right. And I think, you know, if you respect the person that you're with, a lot of times you'll get that love and kind, but you have to go back and forth with it. Um, otherwise, if it's one sided, then the resentment builds up and then you end up kind of spiraling and just taking it out on each other. And that doesn't work out for anybody. Um, I shared something with a, a group of my friends yesterday and I said, never in the history of any man and woman has getting upset or raising her voice ever ended up in a, a good outcome. So I, I'll leave the audience with that one as well. A hundred percent. Yes, I love that. Um, communication, I find, is so key, especially when it comes to to time because especially with your spouse, you don't ever want your spouse to feel that your time is more valuable than theirs or what you're doing is more valuable than what they're doing in any source, in any situation. So yeah, communication, being open and honest and as quickly as possible. I know a lot of times people, well, I was communicating. Yeah, but you waited 45 minutes to communicate it when it needed to be communicated right away. Mm -hmm. So I find communication um, as quickly and as honest and as respectfully as possible. Obviously, if you need to hold off to to communicate, it's obviously due to the fact that you might be saying something that you will regret, hopefully like regret so that's why you're stopping your communication or you're wanting to just think of what you're needing to say instead of just bluntly saying something but yeah i believe communication is especially key now that must follow into your business so when you are hiring your your specialists what are some of the key communication skills that you are looking for them to have in order for them to be a part of your team? So I'm always looking for responsiveness and punctuality, right? I think the biggest mistake anybody makes in my business is, you know, they stick their head in the sand when something goes sideways. Um, they don't call clients back, say they screwed something up, and they just try to avoid it. It's definitely a problem. If you ever deal with it an issue right away, it's usually a lot less of a big deal that you're building up to be in your head. Um, that goes for everything, right? Like all types of communication. I agree with you. Um, and to step back and form thoughtful response to communication. But, you know, when I'm hiring people, the first, actually, I'll give you the entire secret sauce. So the first thing that we typically do is we drop some seats here and there that we're hiring, what the position's going to be for. I throw obviously an ad on like Indeed or wherever it's going to go. Um, we, we actually just don't respond for about a week. So like we'll get all the resumes, we'll get everything in and I just wait. And I want to see who's hungry, right? So like quite often I'll get three or four candidates out of 50. So I'll give you an idea of like how low the bar is that reach out to me personally or find another method to get my attention. They tag me on IG, they email me personally, they call me. Um, they do that. They're on my radar. And the ones that I like that I actually think that I know in the community that would be fit, I'll reach out to them. 
And then depending on their responsiveness to me, um, if they say, Hey, I'm going to call you at this time and then they forget, you know, I'll take, actually, I'll put myself on that, on that platform with you where, you know, we had this appointment book last week and I missed the appointment because it wasn't in my calendar. It was my fault. Like I'll always take ownership in terms of what that looked like. And I was kind of candid with you as to, Hey, wasn't in my calendar. I'm so sorry. I was on property. You were really cool about it. That's a good example of the communication I'm looking for with somebody where, like I had a girl and missed completely missed an appointment. She followed up with me within an hour, gave me kind of an explanation. We had a conversation, totally fine. I've had others that I just don't hear from for months after. And it's pretty much moot at that point, um, unless they really impress me. Because the way that I look at it is every person here is a representative of me and our firm. Not me, just in like the ego side of things, but like our service delivery standards, right? Like I send you a client inquiry you don't get back to that client in 24 hours, I'm either going to take that client and give them to somebody else, or I'm just going to work with it myself or just give that person the attention, right? So there's that aspect where like the quick follow-up and, you know, from the actual interview portion, that's kind of the next phase. Ryan taught me this one was I never email them back after they leave the office. So if they come in for an interview, I'm usually the one that it's hard for me because I'm very responsive and I'm normally quick to apply that I will wait to see how quickly they reach out to me. Sometimes they'll be in the parking lot and they'll text me right away. Thanks so much for meeting you, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's great. I absolutely love that because it shows thoughtfulness. You know, they didn't just come in here to to pitch me and then they're off doing whatever they want to do. They actually want to be a part of the team. Um, Sometimes it comes in different forms. Somebody will drop off a book or, you know, they'll, they'll message me after and really like have a conversation. Sometimes like the relationship doesn't work out and that's a big part of it too. Like I've had people that the relationship didn't work out to begin with and then worked out long term because it was just timing, right? Like I'm zero pressure and you know, I've had interactions with people where it wasn't a good fit. And then a year later I reach out to them and I'm like, Hey, you know, I said it wasn't a good fit, not because I didn't like you, like literally we just didn't have room and I didn't want to promise you something I could deliver on. Now we do. Let's talk. Right. And I think how people treat people when things don't go their way is a very good indication of their character. Um, I've said no to some people and it's not wrong at all. They drop off the face of the earth or they're, they're blatantly rude. Um, to me, you're right off because I've had negative experiences with me and I still lead with kindness. I still lead with love because that's what I'm called to do. And then quite often that can lead to other opportunities. Um, an interesting component of that though that I'll leave your audience this comment with is You'd be shocked at what comes from relationships that you may not think work out the way you wanted to in the beginning, but end up being the driver for you to do what you were meant to do in the end, right? So maybe you weren't meant to work here. Maybe you were meant to go somewhere else. And then you have a development that we can partner on down the road where I can bring a ton of value or through connections that we have, we can all community build because it goes back to the crux of what I said about a giving mentality where you have a community where you're all trying to help the community rather than just make the most money, you'll end up in a better spot. But I think a lot of people leave money on the table just from how they handle interactions in the beginning and valuing people, like you said before, for less than they are because that person isn't where they're meant to be quite yet. Right. So I think you have to honor and value the person. Doesn't matter if they're the janitor, doesn't matter if it's Mark Zuckerberg. We're all just people. It nobody's any better than anybody else. Oh, a hundred percent. Yes, I love that. And it takes, when you said that, it takes me back to, uh, listening to one of Brene Brown's, uh, 
books, uh, her audible, and she was saying about how she was going out to do a speech to a bunch of CEOs, and these guys were really high up there, mostly men, and, you know, normally she's got a lot of women in her audience. She has a few men, but these were a lot of high-end high, high -end men, and she was saying she was getting really nervous, a lot more nervous than she normally would, and she said, I called my husband, and he had said to me, Renee, people are people. And she says, now I just keep telling myself, anytime I'm going to get worked up about some sort of information or to, to talk to somebody, whether it's for an uh, opportunity, an interview, a talk, uh, a talk show, Oprah, whatever it may be, I have to remind myself, people are people. She says, but it also made me remind myself that there are those people that look at me and get anxious and excited. So I have to remember I'm a person as well. And how I approach these situations are just as important as how I handle going to see somebody that I might think is higher than me because they have maybe accomplished something yet that I'm wanting to. Even though they have it, I still have to understand that I'm just not there yet. I'm okay to ask and understand that they're just a person as well. And they have just made a step that I haven't yet. And things are only scary until you actually do them for the first time. Like I'll ask you a question going into your business. You know, when you have somebody that approaches what you do and has never done it before, like what does that ramp up look like for you? Like how do you take somebody um, in your world from a place where they're fearful of never having done anything to doing some some athletic accomplishments that would blow your mind right uh for for me i i address the fear i always ask because a lot of the times people don't understand that we have already faced this fear that we are in um but it's because it's come abruptly or maybe we've we built it up in our in ourselves that it's a lot scarier than it is. So I always like to address the fear first and foremost. Have you felt this way before? I always ask them, whether it's it's movement, feeling, I always ask, have you felt this way before? And more than likely after they have thought of it, they think, Yeah. And majority of the time after I ask them have you accomplished this fear some way, somehow before? Have you overcome it? They more than likely say yes. So then I ask, okay, so now do you believe that if we take the time that is necessary and we do what is supposed to be done consistently, do you feel that this fear will be overcome? And they're more than likely say yes, because it's time and consistency and knowing that we are capable of doing it and knowing that we have probably already overcome a fear like this. We just forget that we are so powerful that it just somehow overwashes us. From then, if it's a movement, I just start them in a progression of a movement that is similar to what they're needing to do. So if it's a squat, I just get them first. I just evaluate how they normally sit, how they normally would, would bend to sit in the chair, how they would move their body, how their hips would move. I then evaluate how I can assess them so that, okay, maybe 
what's happening is it's not that getting down is a problem. It's getting up. That's a problem. So how can I strengthen you? How can I get it so that you're moving better getting up? Sometimes it's not getting up. It's people just clunk down to sit or to squat. So how can I assess you and help you move in a way that you are in control of sitting properly without just flumping? So I take assess. I'm always asking my clients, though, what they're capable of doing. So me and my clients are always working together. I don't want to over-bombard my clients with, you have to do this, 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 and this, and this. And they're like, oh, my God, I can't even really do one and two. And you're asking me to do five different things. I say, here are some options that are going to help you achieve your goal. What one best suits you right now? that you know that you'll be able to accomplish 85% of the time every day. So you'll be able to do it consistently 85% of the time. And once we get that and we get them confident in that goal or that specific movement, okay, cool. We've now built your confidence in this movement. Now we're going to progress. Here is the next step. What are some of the steps here that you can add on, knowing that you're not just going to stop that one. You're going to add on to that habit. You're going to add on to that movement. You're going to progress from that movement. And what can you do out of these steps that you know you can do 85% of the time? I don't want somebody to take on a task that they're going to be afraid of taking on or they consistently take on and they can't do it and then they self-sabotage and they quit. I want them to feel confident in what they're taking on. Yes, does it have to be challenging? Yes, because challenge brings change. They can't just have an exercise or something that is just willy-nilly for them to do because that's why they would not come to me. They wouldn't come to me if they were already able to do it. So it has to be challenging enough that they want to do it, but not hard enough where they're going to self-sabotage and they have to be a part of their journey. So that's where I focus on. I really make sure that it's, it's their journey because I want them to, if they leave me as a trainer because of circumstances, finances, moving, whatever it may be, I want them to have a lifelong impact. I want them to be moving efficiently, fluently, stronger with or without me because that's my job. That's why I do what I do. And I want to start with the mindset because that's where that, that's where the change happens. And that's where I dig into. So that's where building habits and, and having them a part of their journey instead of them just coming to me and going, here, 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 do this, 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 and this. Okay, bye. See you later. I'll check in on Sunday. Make sure you're eating properly. Bye. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I want to be impactful. I want them to leave and go, wow, this is something that is forever going to stay with me. This is a, a habit that has stuck. It is a part of my identity now. It's not just here and gone. So that's what I do. Yeah. And I think the reason I asked you that question was I think anybody can take that entire framework and apply it to anything, like any, anything, any aspect of their life, you know, functional movement, sales, building a business, relationships, like everything that we're talking about. People get paralyzed with fear, which is always the first part of it, right? They, they build it up to be way worse than it needs to be. Be very surprised at 
you know, how people are going to react to you taking the first step. Then they get scared of taking the first step. So sometimes they just need somebody to give them the structure and say, oh, no, like your your first step, you know, if you're trying to do a handstand is, you know, doing a 60 second hold. This is never going to happen. Like, good luck, right? You're going to keep falling over and over and over. You're going to give up. But if you can get into like the posh position and then build up the small muscles and just do that for six weeks, you're going to feel like you're not getting anywhere but consistency over time. It wins and it applies, right? And like having conversations like this is important for me because it make, reframes my mind that I'm like, yeah, you know what? I do want to have a better relationship with my wife. I want her to feel like my communication is as good as it's going to be. And I think it's very important, even if you're a black belt or whatever you do, to go back to basics. One thing we do here as a team every single year is we have bought the entire team, one of the best training programs I've ever seen. We go through a seven-week course and it's literally just the basics. It applies to all aspects of real estate. But it's how do you do your job every single day? How do you follow up with buyers? How do you follow up with sellers? How do you, you know, follow up with open files? Well, how do you run your business? And I think it's important to go back to basics. Um, and even I'm making the fitness slash business comparison because it's pointing to the audience. You know, I do that in my fitness routines as well, where I, I cycle six weeks. I'm just finishing up a six week series. It was kettlebell only series, but basically building like a strong foundation with nothing but kettlebell movements. Because I spent the last like probably three months doing nothing but calisthenics and gymnastics, right? And like I'll hit a plateau at that and then realize that I gotta give my body a break and I can kind of feel the changes. I can feel this new routine is not what I'm used to doing, but I'm getting more results from it because it's challenging, just like you said. But I'm actually excited because when I get out of this, I'm gonna go through probably six week series of doing outdoor activities, paddleboarding, mountain biking, more like endurance type cardio stuff. And then slowly move back to the gymnastics type training, right? But it's like if I just did one type of thing that I'm really good at all the time, I might pat myself on the back and think, oh, I'm great. But what's going to happen is somebody else that is pushing themselves and challenging themselves and taking different aspects of different things and, and putting them together to create their best self, they will surpass me. And I think it's important to have a community of people that will show you the structure that works for them. You know, I help you implement what works for you. You have have to actually do the work and you know be a partner in that process nobody's going to do it for you and if you like fall on your face get up and keep going don't blame the trainers or people that are giving you the accountability for just not doing what needs to be done uh, take ownership of it but also find that accountability piece where you've got somebody who's checking in with what you're looking to accomplish and again this tie back into the beginning i said a lot of times your actions don't match your ambitions sometimes your ambitions are off like you might think you want to live the life that I live, but you don't. Like the things I enjoy doing, you might not enjoy doing. You might not like doing the type of work and hours that I have. But at the same time, you might be like working a nine to five that you love, just thinking, oh man, it must be nice to not have to punch a clock in and out. But then last night at 10 o'clock at night doing a deal on the side of a highway and you're like, that's a nightmare to you. Like be thoughtful and self-aware about what you actually want to accomplish. Find a plan. Do the steps and don't be afraid to change your path if it's not what you think you're ultimately going to enjoy doing. Oh, 100%. You have, you have to be adaptable because your body adapts, especially when it comes to workouts. You, if you're doing something for so long, your body will adapt to it and then it will become a normalization for it. It will become something that it's okay. We're doing these movements again. Cool. Oh, we might be adding a little bit more weight to it, but you're not going to see the success that if you were to change it up 
throw your muscles way off in doing other movements, like you said, going paddleboarding, your core is going to be like, whoa, I'm used to, you know, doing something with a weight attached or just body weight or moving in just a rotational way while you're sitting on your bum doing Russian twists. Now these waves are coming and crashing when it's out expectation. So now your core is activating without you really having to think. And it's stimulizing so much more than what you thought. So now it's activating the muscles in a different way or in a faster, more faster way, more twitch, or however it may be, or a slower twitch, depending on what you're going for. Um, and it's just taking that ability to adapt when you have adapted to what you're normalized to. So I always like to say when I start feeling stagnant or complacent in something, that means I've adapted to it, which is awesome because I wanted to do that. But is it challenging me to move forward into what I want to do? And like you said, being aware of what you're actually wanting to do with your life and who you are wanting to be is very, very crucial. Because if you don't have an awareness or you just think you know, you're going to live, start living a life of someone else's and then you're going to be backpedaling. So I'm always making sure that I'm aware of what I'm doing for the right reasons and why I want to be a coach is because I want to help whoever comes in to my circle or whoever I can reach out to to help even in the most slightest way make them feel that they are capable of becoming whoever they desire to be inside who they feel they they are inside i that's what i that's what i feel is what i meant to do and that's what lights me up so i take focus and like you say i write down okay what can i do now that i have adapted to this new normal i've adapted and i've moved into this normal and it's becoming stagnant for me how can I reach out more how can I do more how can I get myself one step closer how can I put myself in challenging positions to make me grow and become better as a coach as an individual as a woman as hopefully somebody's wife one day as a sister as an aunt I'm always looking at the ways that I can become better through the process of self-awareness and that I believe is really key when it comes down to anything, whether it's building a business, having a relationship, building a team, anything. If you are not aware of who you are or what you stand for, you're going to be going in every direction as or spinning in circles. You'll never be satisfied. I think it comes down to like, you know, we live in a world now where I think a lot of people reach or look for their identity or confirmation from other people. I think it really comes down to, you know, understanding that we're all broken. We're all unique. Like we're all human at the end of the day. Um, you know, I don't identify you as a coach. I identify you as a human being. I hope you identify me as just a real estate agent. It happens to be like my profession, but I have skills and interests far beyond that. I mentioned Victor. I'll mention him again, right? Like he's a cool dude. Like in terms of what he does on the mountain bike trail, like he's got a very unique skill set. You know, real estate happens to be his profession. He happens to be really good at it. But I think we're moving to a world where, you know, the, the individual, you know, is really in a place to pursue all the passions that they want to pursue within the framework of the career that they choose at the time. The careers will be very fluid. I think 
you know, the sharing of knowledge and information. And that's where a lot of the community building happens. And I think we're going back to like our grandparents time when, you know, you would go to buy, you know, meat from the butcher that you knew raised the food around you. You go to the cobbler or the shoe guy because he's been in your community for 30 years. The cosign and the relationships are becoming more and more transparent. I think if anything that, you know, the culture this day and age is teaching us is the old school way of doing business where people are hiding behind and veil, you know, not being transparent, being dishonest, you know, being just bad people is going away because the information is just becoming more and more accessible. You can't really hide it anymore. People are aware that there's an end game to a lot of what's being sold to you and they're getting smarter by the day. So I think the cream rises to the top, to the top in a situation like that. Um, so, you know, the advice that I give people is exactly what you just said. I'm like pour into who you were meant to be. And that's a process of finding it out. You know, I don't, I'm very conscious of the influences around me and in my life. I'm also conscious that I'm a very different person than every single one of those people. And, you know, I'm sure there's people out there that make assumptions about me, why I'm doing what I'm doing, the content I put out. And I, frankly, I just don't care. Like I put so little effort or energy into any negativity or anything that comes my way. I just, it, it's a quick walk, delete, and gone. Like, it's just, if I let it in, and that becomes the narrative, like, again, going back to my faith, the enemy's always running around there trying to use truth, like bits of truth, to make you feel less than about yourself. You will literally tell you lies about yourself that you will believe because there's glimmers of truth in it that you're like, yeah, I did that once in my life. Like, I guess I am that person. And you're always going to regress. But it's not until you realize that you're not who you've always been. I said this to my wife the other day. Like, guaranteed, there's people that knew me a decade ago. Corey knows this. I was not as well put together as I am now. I'm definitely not the same person today as I was back then. I'm sure I've hurt people's feelings in the past. I've done things that, you know, I definitely regret and I take 100% ownership for. But that person doesn't define who I'm going to be in 10 years. Like, the man that I am today doesn't define who I'm going to be or who I'm going to try and be for my daughter because I see things in the world that I don't necessarily want her life to be like at all, right? And I see things even in myself now that I should change, but I have to be conscious enough to not just, you know, stick my head in the sand and cry in a corner because this is just who I am. I'm always going to be like this, like, and be thoughtful of communicating with her, right? And doing the, the, the little steps to let her know that she's loved and let her know that I'm doing this for her, that like, when I'm not there all the time, that I am thinking of her or whatever that looks like, right? Like, but you got to look in the mirror or you have to have people around you that will help you look in the mirror. I love that you led into that. And the word that you kept using is ownership and responsibility. And I love that because so many people are so quick to point fingers, business, relationships, friendships, even, you know, parented kid relationships, Oh, it's my parents. Oh, it's because of my kids. It were, a lot of people are, are so quick to point fingers. I love that you kept using ownership and uh, response, like taking responsibility. How do you implement that? So what are some of the things that taking ownership looks like to you? How would, how would it look like or what are some of the steps that taking ownership would look like? If someone was to ask or, or to see something, what would that be? The very first step is not blaming anybody else, right? Like when anything goes sideways in my life or business, why it's my fault. Even if it's somebody I hired that did something, like I hired the person, 
You know, if another agent does something on a file to my client, still my client, still my transaction, like even if it's something completely out of my control, ultimately, like I heard something once, it's like if it rains outside, well, it's kind of my fault because I decided to come into the office today, right? Like it's not really, but it is. Like you're not going to get anywhere by blaming anybody else for your situation. And I think, you know, nobody, if anybody's ever done it before you in a worse circumstance, you don't really have an excuse, right? Like people in my business, they, they blame everything. They blame the market. They blame the buyers. They blame the sellers. You have sellers that turn around and try and cut you out of deals and, and devalue your time. Like it, it goes, it's a two way street, right? Real estate's a funny business. People don't like paying commissions because it is a large amount of transaction. But we also do hundreds of hours of work that we don't get paid for. We don't get paid by the hour. We get paid when the transaction flows. I'm dealing with one right now that I'll share with you guys. We're literally probably 55 hours into a file. Um, a seller declares bankruptcy before a close on a buy from my client. We're gonna set, we're gonna deal with it. But amidst everything that's going on, the the guy that's holding a mortgage on the back end is trying to structure a deal and then just cut both agents out of the deal altogether. You're talking about like, if you equated it to like an hourly wage, 50, 60 hours worth of my time, leaving my daughter, my family at night, working on files, not to mention the years of work that I put into this client in terms of appraising his property, finding the right deal. Ultimately, I care more about my client than anything, but that's just to give me some insight into like how I can turn around and just start blaming those people. No. First thing I do is I call it an after action report. So anytime we do a transaction, I have a little uh, landing page I use for my team and I look at what did we do well? What did I do bad? And what could I have done better next time? Right? Sending that email to myself after I do something is the most important thing because it actually makes me write down exactly what happened, what I did good, what I did bad and what I could have done better. Tracking it over time is important because seeing consistently what you're good at and you'll find your passions in those things and you can kind of lead more into doing that type of business. Doing what you're bad at may just means you have to hire somebody to do things that you suck at. And then looking at what you can do better is constantly refining your process and that accountability piece, right? Ultimately, again, and I'm just going to be back to it again, prayer and my faith is a big part of it where I have a communication or I pray and I think about honestly, like what do I want to be? Where have I failed? And it's okay I'm just going to consistently work on, you know, getting better at those things, right? And I do think, like, there's one thing I want to share with your audience that I think is important. And it's when you do something not to the level of what you want to accomplish, you make a mistake or you do something bad, you're going to experience one of two things. You're either going to experience regret because you got caught and you would have been fine. Like, if you're stealing money from somebody that you work with or you do something unethical and you don't get caught, you're good with that. That's a problem. If you, yeah, yeah. if you feel guilty, that's a different thing, right? Guilty is, is one thing because you got caught. But if you genuinely are being conscious about the areas in your life that you want to change and you feel like it's something that you acknowledge as something that doesn't add positivity to your life, it's taking away from your life. And the word we use is repentance. It's, it's not a guilt thing. It's not, and people get that misconception about my faith quite often that you got to do these 10 things or you're going to hell. It's actually the complete opposite. It's a guarantee that we're all broken, but what are you trying to do? And are you actually trying to lead with love? And are you actually trying to shine that light in people's worlds? And I do think it's important for people to acknowledge, you know, if, if I ate an entire pizza at 10 o'clock at night because I was just, my willpower was gone, I was sad, I felt like trash the next day. <laughs> am I doing something to change that? Or am I just feeling guilty about it and beating myself up? 
right? Because I think if you just beat yourself up, you're never going to get anywhere. You have to change the pathology. You have to change the pattern. You have to break that pattern and replace it with something like stretching instead of eating a pizza or, you know, going to bed a little bit earlier. Because, you know, if you stay up, that bag of chips is calling your name. It's going to be a problem, right? Yes. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. Being able to, to, to a tap into whatever faith you may be in, um, or higher power is definitely, um, key and understanding that when you feel that you're able to tap in, I, I'm also a believer when you're able to tap into what he has desired for you. Yeah. You, you get a sense of, uh, of a weight kind of lifted and, and you start to just see little lights and you might not see what those lights are exactly, but they just, they just kind of brighten up your path. Yeah. And it's him just saying, if you just follow me, just follow these lights by being a light and light up this path as you go. Lead with love. I, have a mentor, uh, Sergeant Ken, he always says, lead from the heart, teach from the head. And I absolutely love that because people will feel it when you're here. They'll know it when you're here. Yeah. And so I always, I always focus on doing that. I always try and, and figure out if, if I'm going into a scenario where there doesn't look to be something positive, how can I bring that positivity? And a lot of the people are always, I get talked about all the time, not in a bad way, but it's more of how can somebody always be that positive? People question how someone can always be so positive. Oh, some of it's got to be fake. Some of it's got to be phony. And I always tell people, no, I just have become very clear with my own communication with myself. It's not that I don't ever get into a negative situation or I don't have neg negative circumstances or I don't fail myself in certain situations. But when I do or the world is giving me something that has the perception of something negative, because I think we put on, we as individuals put on what's positive, what's negative. Because to you, when something's positive, somebody else can look at it and think of it as negative. So I take that perspective and I think, okay, what is, what is happening in this scenario that the world might be giving me that the world is saying is a negative or a hardship or a struggle? Where can I learn? Where can I let go? Because that's also important. And then where can I just put my faith and move forward and just love, just love, 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 love. I'm all for love and, and positivity. And I just, I, <laughs> I was actually just reading, uh, listening to Kevin Hart's um, newest book, The Decision. Yeah. It's absolutely hilarious. And he talks about, you're talking about negativity and how you just kind of squash it. Or you just don't have it around you. He he calls this the force field, and he says people look at him so funny because something negative will start talking. He says my wife will start talking negative about her friend or something. He'll just go force field, 
And she'll be like, well, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to be about it. I don't want it in my, my circle. I don't want it in my bubble. She says, I do it to friends. I do it to coworkers. If I'm in a meeting and all of a sudden it's starting to go negative, he goes, I'll just randomly go force field. And everyone just, what? And he says, I just, I will, I will direct the negativity and I will allow how long it stays in my world or my universe. I will acknowledge it. But I will make sure I am in control of how long it I stays. Think I think that's an important conversation, right? I definitely think what you said is right, where people will, will make assumptions about you and cast negativity. That's a them problem. That's not a you problem, right? So when people are in that position and, and they, they tend to just, you know, want to go down that route of, well, not everything's perfect. Not everything's new, right? Not everything's perfect. And actually, iron gets sharpened in the fire. So like when, uh, you know, COVID happens and sales are down and everybody's struggling and going through hard times. Like we're all going through the same thing, right? If you have any type of investments, quite possibly you lost a lot of money in the stock market or whatever that's going to look like. We're all on a very similar boat. Um, Jocko Willink actually has a great video about this. You go on YouTube and you check in Jocko Willink. Good. Just the word good. He's a, a Navy SEAL commander. So he, uh, I forget which SEAL team he ran, but he ran one, one that was in Ramadi and has been through like some serious, serious issues. And as a commander, he learned quite early that he needed to have that mentality of everything's good. So like in this sequence, you'll watch it. It's very powerful. He talks about how, you know, he's talking to his men and his men are like, oh, we didn't get the equipment drop we needed. We don't have the weapons we need. We don't have this to, to go do the mission you're going to do. And this response was always good. And they'd look at him and they'd be like, what do you mean? He's like, good. More time for us to get creative and figure out a better way to do this. You know, didn't get... until you're ready for the motion. You know, like, like in my world, a massive deal falls apart. Good. Better opportunity to show your client that you've got their back and you'll care just about getting paid on a transaction. You're going to do a better job from the second round, right? But yes. it's really hard for people to understand that concept unless you actually live by it. But I think the most important part of this conversation is you and I both have bumps and bruises. We both have struggles. We both have self-doubt and everything else. We let people know about it and it takes like people need to stop taking themselves so damn seriously we know you're goofy we know you probably have different types of habits and things you like to do you know we're all we're all very unique people that all have different passions and loves and and quirks and stuff like that like it all makes us better so like the only time you're going to be in a position where you're going to get depressed in a life is if you put forth Lambo flexing. I was the most amazing real estate agent. That's all I did. And sell, sell, sell. Like when you actually realize the person that I am and the things that I like, then it's going to fall apart, right? Like if, if I'm not putting forth a truthful image of who I am, then I'm going to let the world down and then I'm going to be in a place of, of massive negativity. But I, I do think that anybody that is putting out, you know, a false premise as to who they are, I could go down another wormhole in terms of like, the issues with social media and people quite often look at influencers that have over 25,000 followers and think, Oh my gosh, this person's amazing. One quick tip, click on their followers. If they're all private, they bought those followers. So stop caring about those people. Worry more about yourself and stop looking to other people for your own identity. Cause I think we're all going through the same thing. We just do it in different flavors. A hundred percent. Oh my God. Yes. And, and, we are all meant to have uniqueness. Like for me, like you saw my one video, I love 
to just randomly break out and dance. That is one of my things. I have absolutely no idea how to play the guitar. I know some chords, but I can't do the strumming and the switching of the chords at the same time. So I just, when nobody's home, I live with my brother and his girlfriend, when nobody's home, I'll just throw on the country music. I'll throw on my guitar, and I'll just pretend that that's me. And I give my dogs a concert, and they look at me like I'm crazy, but that's just something that I love to do. And I do it because it brings me joy. And I and I share with the world my little dance the other morning that you saw. I share with the world because if that can make somebody smile, or if that can redirect their brain from something that they might be in right now that is frustrating, or maybe what they're perceiving as negative or a hard time, and they can just smile for even just five seconds, that brings me joy. So I like doing that. Now. I do that even when I'm in a habit of something that's not going well. I like people to see who I am. That was me having a good time, but I also struggle too. Mm -hmm. And being very vulnerable with showing yourself is key to, I feel, building real relationships that are long-lasting, building a, a business that is successful, that will last a long time, not just get successful and then fall apart. Um, I find that comes with, with understanding how and how many hats we put on and why we're putting on those hats, identities that we would say, like you say, I'm not just a coach. I have lots to me. And my positivity is just one part of who I am. And it seems sometimes fake to some people because they don't know how to cultivate it the way that they desire. And that's okay. I'm here to help them. If I can help them cultivate their happiness, their positivity, whether it's them trying to stay minds fake, if I just keep showing up with my positivity they're going to either A, accept that it's real, or B, they're probably going to turn away and just put their energy elsewhere. And either or, I'm okay with. Yeah, it should, I know really, that my job is to be positive. Yeah, it really shouldn't make a difference either way, right? Like, you're gonna, they'll see you when they see you. I've said that for years too, right? People have said whatever they're going to say about how we do things. I still remember early 2012, I had agents telling me I was nuts for doing videos on properties. Now look at every agent doing videos on properties. Like, you know, they're saying, oh, you know, you'll always be this or you'll always be that. And like, even people around you, very close to you will, will tell you that you can't accomplish certain things. And I'll see you when I see you. And if I fail, I fail. Like, at least I know I tried versus what's the alternative is just sitting there not doing anything at all and letting other people find what your success is. We're all different, right? Like what you find joy in different than what I find joy in. If I, if I get out of place because you find joy in something that makes you happy, again, that's a me problem, not a you problem. Why do I care? Same thing with people spreading hate and negativity online. Like, If you have a, a sad enough life that you need to spend a, an iota of your time, even talking bad about somebody else in real life, let alone online or commenting on a YouTube post, man, I need to talk to you. Like, Get a hobby, go learn jujitsu, go buy a bike, go for a walk. Like there's much better uses of your time than spending any of it being a negative person. Yeah, and 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 finding that if you feel that 
your energy is either shifting to to either want to say something negative or feel something negative towards somebody like you said it's definitely a, a you problem and understanding that is the first and foremost key thing and then wanting the 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 biggest part is wanting to figure out why why is that stirring up inside you? Why does that bring negativity to the surface? Why does that bring up that emotion to you? Why do you feel that you need to bring that energy to the scenario or to the situation or to that person? Because it's, like you said, it has to do with you. They might be a trigger, but what's inside you that needs to be shown the light so that you can work on it so that you are then not contributing to the negativity by allowing it to fester up and then putting your reflections of what you perceive the world as into something that is already negative or something that doesn't need to be put into. So I feel definitely having the want to know why things are stirring up within you is, is also extremely key because just brushing it off isn't going to be any good because then we have people unfortunately doing things like going out and rioting over things like rioting in areas that have nothing to do with people like businesses that had nothing to do with the scenario but because they're so festered up in their emotions they're going beyond what they're needing to do so understanding why why and what can you actually do to make a positive change is is, is key yeah there's a great book called raising lions i'm reading right now it's about raising children that have strong personalities and you know, the way that it's been done historically and things now. And the, the, he made an interesting comment. He's actually saying quite often children um, that gravitate toward villains and really like, you know, the villain in, say, comic books, whatever it looks like, quite often they have an omnipresent kind of pathology built into their mindset because they've never been anything but in control, right? And they said a lot of habitual problems that end up happening with children is because they're looking for structure, right? Like kids, like, I, mean, I hate to equate it to this, but like when you're raising an animal or people or whatever that looks like, they're often looking for some type of authority, right? And children quite often will want to reach out and say, hey, I'm here, I have power, and they're reaching out for somebody else. And if they don't have anybody kind of reach back and touch them, well, they think, well, I'm in charge of everything, right? And quite often they're acting out in school and they're talking about medicating them and doing all these terrible things to kids that don't necessarily need to be done, and when all the kid needs is that authority or not a feeling that they're the ones that control everything around them, because imagine the pressure of what that would feel like. And he actually goes through a sequence for the child that is actually in a situation where you think this kid would get medicated. And this guy's incredible at helping children that are struggling because he understands that it's often ingrained pathologies that need to be changed over time. And it's identifying why they're doing what they're doing, right? But quite often people get so caught up in the emotional response, me included, like I'm far from perfect, where I respond emotionally to a situation without realizing that you're supposed to be who you say you are. Or if you can identify the, the original inception of why you're reacting, the way you're reacting, you can change it. But you have, you have to be conscious enough and not get offended to look at yourself in that light and kind of change the situation that you're in, right? Oh, you're muted still. You're muted. 
Um, <laughs> I I have no children of my own, but I'm an aunt, and I've worked uh, with children. I absolutely I melt. I become a child when I'm around them um, to a certain degree. Um, it's just because I love just how um, open they are. And I just love how just innocent they are. So I just love being able to just get myself back into that state of mind and just be that. But I love that you said that they're looking for a sense of authority because if they feel that they're responsible for everything, yeah, in certain areas, they're, they're loving it because, hey, I can go outside and play as much as I want. But then all of a sudden, they're now getting hungry and their belly's rumbling and they're going, oh, my God, I have to eat and I'm hungry and I don't know what to do. And then now playing outside is not so much fun and I think of food. I also feel that us as, as individuals, how we perceive little humans we have to take a step back and understand that we have to perceive adults the same way because we all want to be seen. We all want to be heard and we all want to feel that we have a safe space to express ourselves. So to me, when I'm in a, a responsibility of an authority of someone little, I like to make sure that if they're in a, a, a combustion, that I'm holding a space of not going, well, you shouldn't feel that way. Don't act that way. And then my temper starts going up because maybe they're not listening or whatever it may be. I have to make sure that I'm providing the space and the energy that I'm hoping that they will adapt to and control and, and gain so that when that emotion or that circumstances arises again, they know how to handle it a little bit better because we're all just humans trying to understand our own emotions and we all want to be heard and seen. We're all growing up babies too. Like think of that. If you're in in line at the store and somebody gets upset at you, just look at them as a little baby that just happens to be bigger, right? Like when we get hangry, we tend to act like children do. So yeah, I'd say don't be too hard on the little ones and be conscious that like, you know, you're going to miss those times when they're crying and screaming and all that stuff when they're growing up and gone, right? So Yes. Um, so I know you're a busy guy and I love that, uh, this conversation was filled with so much little knowledge, nuggets and inspiration. Um, I know my listeners are going to absolutely love this, uh, episode. My final question before I get, uh, you off the episode is what is your perspective on positivity? I think it comes down to, you know, how you look at the world. I think positivity is probably the most important thing you have to ingrain in yourself. You have to kind of break the habit of negativity that we've all been raised with. I think it's important to look at everything as a positive learning experience is good, bad. Otherwise, um, you know, for you and I, anyways, with myself, I, I know that goes back to understanding that I'm living through something bigger than myself. Um, and that, you know, again, go back to what I explained about little children, like, you're not the be all end all of the world. So you just gotta stop putting so much damn pressure on yourself and just enjoy the fact and be grateful that you have what you have. You know, in the situation that we're in, if you're isolated and you're not seeing people as much as you normally do, well, you know, now's an opportunity to learn and grow and put structure into the things that you've always wanted to do because life is so busy and we always play it off enough time. Um, and I think there's gonna be a lot of, a lot of positives that come out of this time because I think the depth of relationships and 
you know, people are going to matter more than ever because we realize that you don't have to live with stupid pace that everybody thinks you do in order to succeed. I think you can, you can define success in your own world, um, far different from what we were raised to believe success actually is. Wow. I love that. That is amazing. Um, thank you once again so very much uh, for your time, your energy, and for sharing all of your insights and wisdom. I truly appreciate you and all that you are doing to help every individual that you and your team come in contact with to have a positive experience with such a huge huge part of their life because buying a house is a big aspect um, for anybody, uh, whether it's the first, the last, or any house in between. Um, so thank you so very much for continuously bringing that positive atmosphere to everybody. Um, enjoy the rest of your day. And once again, thank you so very much. Yeah, it's my pleasure. You're, you're doing good things. I'm glad that you're kind of spreading the positivity, keep being you, and I will definitely see you out there in the wild. Yes. One last question. Where can my followers find you? Um, at justin.conico, probably on Instagram. Or if you go to Google and you type in Prime Real Estate Brokerage, you'll find all of our content. There's tons of stuff online there. Perfect. Alrighty. Thank you so much. You have an excellent day. Yeah, take care. Thanks for having me. Bye. Well, my friends, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please let us know by tagging us in the social media at Sparkplug Wellness and at Justin Conico. Also, please rate and review the podcast. It truly does help get the positivity out there and helps me understand if I'm on the right track to providing you guys true value and inspiration. I truly appreciate you guys so very much. So thank you guys for taking the time to listen in. And now it is time to go out and do something positive and be positive.